from the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, this is All About Grants. Hello and welcome to another edition of NIH's All About Grants podcast. I'm your host, David Kossip, with the NIH's Office of Extramural Research. So you're putting together your application seeking NIH support and you find it important to identify how your collaborators or your uh, institution, your senior key personnel identified on the ward, how they'll show their dedication and their commitment to your research project. Well, you do that through the letters of support, and that's our topic for today. We have with us Dr. Kathleen Cooper. She directs the NIH's Center for Scientific Review's Division of Receipt and Referral, and will be telling us all about these letters of support. Thanks for being with us, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's jump right in and hear what exactly is the purpose for these letters of support. Well, we actually have multiple different kinds of letters that can be submitted with applications in different circumstances. And so the cover letter, and I'm going to go through the other kind first, the cover letter is what you do submit when you want to tell us about processing and assignment, and those are really only used for processing and assignment. Then we have um, certification letters that are submitted with some other kinds of applications where the institution might certify they support a program or they might certify that they are eligible to receive a certain kind of award. So that's a different kind of letter. We have letters of reference that show up in fellowships and mentored K applications, which are all about the person and their eligibility and their qualifications for the project. And then finally, we have the letters of support which are all about the collaboration. So we have receipt and referral, we have certification, we have support, and we have uh, collaboration letters. And so we're going to talk about those letters of support and how they support a collaboration. All right, well, let's jump right into that. What kind of content should be included in these letters of support? Well, you know, we expect the letters of support to come from people who are actively participating in the project. So generally, it is from collaborators and people who are identified on the application as senior key persons. And the content's really pretty specific. We're looking for things like, what are the expectations for co-authorship? What are the rules that have been established between the collaborators for sharing reagents and other things? You know, are they exclusive to that collaboration or is it something that the collaborator is widely sharing with anybody in the field? And this distinction is very important for determining conflict of interest. We also would be looking for uh, rates of charge if it's a consultant that's doing a fee-for-service collaboration. And then finally, if somebody is depending upon a core facility, we want to know do they have free access to the core and is there a fee-for-service. So you can see everything in the letter of support is about supporting the collaboration. And so along those lines, it sounds like those are general rules to consider for across the board. Are there anything specific to consider for grants, like a research grant, a training grant, cooperative agreement, SBIR, or something like that? Yes, absolutely. SBIRs do have their own particular letters that you can include from investors or people in the field that speak to the financial resources or the potential for collaboration. Um, a small business tra technology transfer, STTR application, needs a letter from the academic organization saying that they're supporting the program and they will do their part of the work. Mentored Ks also can have letters of support that refer to the amount of mentoring and the type of mentoring that will be done. And institutional training grants do require a couple of letters, including the new one about harassment. 
So that's good information to keep in mind for what to include, but I guess it's important to know also what shouldn't be included. What would you say to that? Well, absolutely, and people can get into a lot of trouble by including the wrong things. Because remember, a letter of support is all about the collaboration. And so one of the things you shouldn't be doing is putting in what is equivalent to a letter of reference. Um, we call these cheerleading letters. They're generally submitted by people who are not participating in the project, and they're talking about how important the field is, how important the work is to the field, or what a great PI the PI is. And so this is obviously has a potential to bias the review, and it should not be in there. Another thing is we're seeing letters of support where they are including information that really belongs in the page limited research strategy. So for example, letters of support that go on and they talk about the background and the significance of the field, they include methods, they include preliminary data, all of that really is considered what we call overstuffing. And we will likely withdraw an application that has a letter like that in it. We even occasionally will see letters of support that have a response to the previous reviewer's critiques in it. And that belongs in the introduction and not in the letter of support. So this gets to some of the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, where exactly would one be submitting the letters of support? Would they be part of the whole application package? And do they contribute to the overall page limit? Right, so they are part of the application package. There's a separate attachment in the application package for letters of support. And most types of applications don't have any sort of page limit on the letters of support. You can even see hundreds in a T. But some do, and that's important to uh, pay attention to. So fellowship and career development awards will have a total of six pages that are allowed. And so we've seen people do their six pages, attach it to the letters of support attachment, and then continue to put letters of support in the appendix. That doesn't work. Six pages is max. And now, once I've submitted my application, including the letters of support, it goes through the peer review process to assess its merit scientifically and technically. Are the letters of support considered in this process, too? Well, they're really important for peer review for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the number one reason they're in there, and that is to establish that somebody is participating in the work and that what the terms of that relationship are, and the reviewers are going to want to determine whether that's appropriate and that you know, strongly supports the research. The other thing that's perhaps a little bit less obvious is that they're used for determination of conflict of interest. So a conflict of interest, um, the rules are very complex really, but the to be brief, letters of support are carefully scrutinized by review staff uh, to identify any kind of relationships between the support writer and any of the reviewers that could potentially review the application. And it's not just the reviewer, it's the reviewer and family of the reviewer and the applicant and family of the applicant. So it stretches out just a little bit beyond the two applicant and reviewer pair. Um, but we use all of that information to determine whether it rises to a level of conflict of interest. Um, if you want to know more information about conflict of interest, it's pretty straightforward to simply Google the term NIH peer review conflict of interest and the top hit is a link to our conflict of interest rules. Wonderful. So before we go, do you want to leave our audience with any final tips and tricks and thoughts related to letters of support that haven't been mentioned before? Well, I could just go over the ones I think are really important to take away. First of all, stay on topic, put the right information in the right letter, and have the letters of support 
confined to talking about the collaboration in terms of the collaboration. We end up withdrawing applications all the time because there's extra information in those letters and of course we don't want you to have your application withdrawn, so follow that. The other information is um, only submit the letters you need because we're going to be looking at who signed those letters and they could potentially and oftentimes likely be in conflict with your application and you might not get the reviewers you need. Wonderful. Uh, thank you very much, Kathy, for this opportunity to hear more about letters of support in a grant application. This has been David Cossip with the NIH's Office of Extra Research. Thank you.